When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey everybody, what's going on? Josh Wiggler here with one last look back down the hidden access technical camouflage hideout known as Mrs. Davis here on Post Show Recaps. It is a fond farewell to Mrs. Davis season one. Of course, I am joined here by our esteemed panel as always, ripping into some Buffalo Wild Wings, Mike Bloom, Joe Garfine. How are you both doing? It's been a few days since this crazy finale aired, Mike. Yeah, it's been, for lack of a better term, wild. But I am so excited because we are about to eat with a man who has been serving in so many ways all season long. Oh, my gosh. Joe, are you excited? I mean, I like falafel. So, yes, absolutely. Andy McQueen, how do you feel about Buffalo Wild Wings? Fantastic. I love them. He says Andy- as like a, a, a hand eases into frame to pull him out with the big cane. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it is the return of Andy McQueen, a.k.a. J, a.k.a. Jesus, to the podcast. Folks, he's doing okay. I know that the ending of the episode was emotional. He's all right. He's here. Andy, you're here. You're still with us. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Yeah, you're walking now. You get to, You get to go out. You get to eat. You get to see what the whole wide world has on offer for you. I got to have that great sandwich. So, you know, no complaints. <laughs> this, was we... the, the, this was the true episode nine, I think, of Mrs. Davis, is that we wonder, where did Jay go yes. after she drank from the grill? He just went right to a podcast to a with podcast. three people to talk about his experience. <laughs> I imagine Jesus would be an incredible podcast guest. <laughs> I feel like it also fits. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be that outlandish to think that, like, you know, now he's been freed. He's uh, now he's in he's doing a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would also be sort of part and parcel with uh, getting into the algorithm. Uh, Maybe maybe Jay and Mrs. Davis just traded houses. Maybe Mrs. Davis is now going to be behind the falafel counter while Jay is in everybody's ear. that, That that would be interesting. I wonder who who that would be. Uh huh. We could find out. Hopefully, hopefully one of these days. Uh, wait, Andy, can you tell us about the sandwich you ate? Let's start with the important stuff. Seriously, 
that sandwich is amazing. I actually, they like, I had a good version of it. I think Betty had said that she didn't have the true version the of what I had. So, I mean, I had a lot of fun eating it. It was, yeah. um, it was, it was really good. I'm glad you had fun because it was a very emotional scene as well. And the thing that really came to front of mind for me, and we talked about this on the podcast, was your goodbye scene with Simone. All that was in the front of my mind is you talking about this eight-day run of filming all yeah. these scenes in Falafel with your time on the show. It must have been so interesting to film that as a culmination of not only your time on the show, but really this blitzkrieg of a little over a week in this one location that you filmed in yeah you know i think it also made it um that much easier to digest because you know like betty and i have always said that those scenes were you know it was like doing a play so it was very it was a lot of fun and also getting to me personally getting to do it basically in order allowed for a whole life to be lived in there so by the time that i had to say goodbye in that scene or we were saying goodbye it was also my last day on set and everybody was going to, you know, wrap it all up and take it to Spain. So for me, it was also, you know, goodbye to like the greatest experience of, of my life as an actor and as an artist. Like that was, um, you know, it was it was fitting. And I'm glad that we got to do it in that way. And also now that we can talk about it, I had that scene from the first day. So, mm. you know, it did really instruct and guide a lot of the performance going forward because it allowed for there to be subtext always with regards to what the grail meant, what it would mean when it was destroyed and, you know, what that would mean for Jay and Simone. So the first thing you filmed was your goodbye. No, the first thing I, I filmed the goodbye the, at the end, it was my okay, last day. Gosh, but I was going to say, I got, God, very memento of you all. <laughs> I, I got yeah 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 i got the last scene on the first uh my date my first day of um of rehearsals with betty so when i got to la and i i got the first script and we we did a um, sort of rehearsal of the first two scenes from the pilot and then we went and we rehearsed that last scene you know like two like two months before we even shot it so it was always in my back pocket um you know which was a blessing and a curse kind of because yeah. like I couldn't think about it because the more I thought about it, the less, it, the less fun or less present we could be while doing it. But having the idea of what it meant, what it meant for Jay and Simone really allowed for moments in the, um, you know, in, in the rest of the show to like make sense to me and to, to what I was playing, you know, and I think we talked about this briefly before, but every time she gets Simone gets closer to the grail, it, it's kind of like a sad, it's a sad moment for Jay because it's, it's not exactly what he wants or he thinks he wants. So it's uh, it was like a cool thing to play with those kinds of, of opposites going into those, uh, those scenes. Yeah. yeah sure. And I think something that you also got to have some fun with in that last episode as well is finally you get to meet another main character as much as I joked about, Hey, do you know I what know. Jake McDordan looks like? Uh, you did, and you got to talk with him. So was that yeah. also a like final day shooting process? What was it like for the third character to enter this play, to enter this set of falafel? Uh, it was a lot of fun because you know uh, I love Jake, and so we hadn't we hadn't gotten to, we hadn't gotten to work together. But um, there was a show that he was on when I was young. Well, we were all young, called Greek, and I really love Greek, and I really love him as an actor and as a person. So we were just. We were just uh, improving uh, off the top there, and it was a lot of fun because it was 
kind of like we had come to this place where we both understood our characters so well and understood within the confines of like the eight episodes that we got, like how would they interact with one another? There was one moment where I wish, I wish looking back at it that I, I could have played differently with Jake, which was saying sorry for the lightning strike in Excalibur battle. <laughs> and I, I, I always think about it. I'm like, Oh, that could have been a moment, but we got hashtag blessed thanks to Jake and uh, we got to play and riff on that. So that was great. Yeah. Did you get the finale script after you were done filming or, or later because you had already left? Obviously you filmed your scenes in the diner and then you weren't in the final episode, uh, essentially. Did you get the yeah. script? Yeah, I got all of them. Okay. I, I was, I was, luckily I got all of the scripts. Uh, I think I had eight. I had eight before as well. I think five was the the one that I didn't I, I got later on because five was primarily what they shot in uh, uh, in Spain. Right. Um, save for the episode, save for the scene at the beginning that we had to shoot. Um, obviously before they left, which was the uh, Jesus gets beat up. Um, so that that yeah. So luckily I did have them, but again it was interesting because. Uh, yeah, the, the Excalibur battle lightning scene where Jesus motherfucking Christ, like, I mm -hmm. wish it was, you know, that, that's a moment where I'm like, oh, that could have been fun. But at the same time, what we got from it, the hashtag blessed and that it was such a different moment for, for the two characters too. And then to be, you know, I think, uh, Owen said it, it's, it's so interesting that saying goodbye to two love interests in that scene, how it works so well how it like they both are just scenes within scenes, but it's just by the eighth episode, it's so um, earned. It's so earned and it's mm. not, it's not unlikely or when you see uh, Wiley and Jay together, it's also like a winning moment because you always wonder what that would look like. And, you know, often in, in, in shows or, you know, whether there be a love triangle or whatever it may be, there was no, there's no animosity, which also is a cool thing to see. It's just two, two guys hanging out and, you know, Simone comes in and it's, they both say their goodbyes in their own way. And I think it's, I mean, that, that scene to me was it's just so beautiful. There was the great moment where uh, I think Jay, uh, like he, he takes this beat. He's just like laughing, looking at the whole thing. I love this. The more, the merrier. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just such a great moment. So obviously Jay has this moment earlier in the season, uh, this sort of really charged, um, almost too, too emotionally painful to contain, even for the almighty of I love everybody, right? Like that mm -hmm. line earlier in the season. So it was really uh, clearly in character that he would love Wiley as as well. Was there any question in your mind of how to play that? Because anyone who passes through falafel, Jay has to have some love for uh no there there wasn't i mean like i think like we had said before and like you guys had also come to the conclusion i think that jay quite literally and honestly loves everyone i think that that's what makes it work um i think you know given that the audition um was the scene one of the scenes was uh simone says wiley's back and and jay says oh yeah how's he doing I feel like that's so indicative of going forward from episode one with regards to how uh, we look at Jay. He's just honest to a fault. And again, like we said before, it's like how much Jesus is too much Jesus. But at the same time, it's 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 what makes it all work. Um, and I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to Simone, what we see is that obviously 
she obviously in this specific instance holds such a special place in his heart for him and obviously is the only one that can destroy the grill out of true love which is pretty awesome yeah you're t- you're talking about other presences in the diner this show had did a really immaculate job of wrapping up a lot of things answering a lot of things there are some lingering questions and i i wonder if you'd be able to sort of serve as the proxy here for the bosses that are behind the doors to get some answers on because i am so curious episode two simone goes to the diner and there is this random guy cooking behind the stove. Do you have a sense as to who that guy is? Yeah, this was a question that was asked by a bunch of the listeners. Shout out to Jen, whose question was very supportive. Who is the other guy in Jay's restaurant? I I have um, my own theory. Uh, I think, um, again, as the show, it's just fun to theorize. Uh, I always saw him as like the Prophet Muhammad. Um, mm. that was always my idea was that the falafel shop was sort of, um, a space for, you know, different, um, believers. And I think that's how I always looked at it. It was, it's never been implied. It doesn't say it in the script or anything, but that was just always my idea was he was just another person that people, uh, prayed to or looked to for guidance. Um, that was just happened to be there. So sometimes you- people would show up at falafel and they wouldn't get Jay. Yeah, that's that's how I saw it or um, because it doesn't exist in any space or time. And I think also Jay says it episode four where she's like, why now for the king cake? And he says, well, now doesn't really work the same way for me, whether or not, you know, I mean, we could go really deep with this and really think about it. But it's like it 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 all just always made sense to me being, you know, coming from, you know, obviously loving certain uh, things in the past that like that would just be a place where people came to to pray or to mm. eat. Or if you were a, a church that exists in a metaphysic universe where there's a stained glass window that has all the different <laughs> emblems from religion on it. Just theoretically. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, that's going back to what we were saying about that with that goodbye. Not saying that like, you know, that was just in the back of my head. Sometimes I, you read a script or you read I think a we have to. You... We have to set this up for people yeah. because- <laughs> We closed the last time we talked to you, Andy, asking you, what's yeah. your favorite episode of Lost? And you implied, well, I can't answer because it's a spoiler for what's coming next. Uh, the answer to that question takes on heightened meaning because of when we are recording this podcast. Mm. It is oh, yeah. May 23rd, 2023, 13 years ago today, Joe, what happened? A little show called Lost had a series finale after six years on the air, and it was the most magical, philosophical, deep, touching, rewarding episode of television ever made. And it is also one that we're going to spoil for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, so uh, apologies about that. But you had 13, 13 years. years. Yeah. Now, yeah. Hey, listen, if you if you stumbled upon this and you're like, I like this Lindelof guy. Let me check out some of his other works. Go watch Lost. <laughs> Go watch Lost. Uh, but 13 years ago, Christian Shepard helps Jack Shepard move on uh, to, to let go and move on to whatever is the next plane of existence. And Andy, that's your favorite episode of Lost and was something that you felt uh, in your performance in Jay's Goodbye with Simone. 
Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because 13 years ago, I was 22, giving away my age, but it was, you know, a different understanding at 22 than now at 35. And also, you know, at the same time, I think I hold that scene, that specific scene so dear, near and dear to my heart, because I, I feel like when you read scripts, sometimes you have ideas or feelings or, or, or emotions from other things that you've seen, and it starts to start of it make up parts of your being in terms of how you approach something. So I did see that, you know, I did see, I did feel that I, I watched that scene so many times before going into, you know, the goodbye of, uh, of, of episode eight, just because like, I just feel like that goodbye with Simone is it's, it's, it has a similar resonance or, you know, a similar feel, um, in my opinion. And so, you know, going into it, I could, I could, I just watched it earlier today. Again, it's just one of those things where Amazing. it just, it's, it, and I'm so happy. It's, it's such a crazy thing. I mean, this is all a pinch me moment still that 13 years later, you know, the show that I, we were talking about earlier, like had discussions about at all points and made other friends watch, you know, uh, like at two in the morning, eating almonds at someone's house, watching like, like just continuing to go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Um, it was, it's such a cool thing to be talking about, you know, these kinds of things now and what Tara and Damon created and, you know, the goodbye scene that was already existed at the beginning is incredible to me that like, it was, it, it's like I said, it's so earned and it was like, obviously opposite Betty, like just working with her, it was very easy to like get to those places because we had had so much fun in there. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. This is again, it's, I, can't, I can't believe this is 13 years to the day. That's wild. Kismet. I don't know if you, Thanks. it's also what's, what's interesting enough. Uh, interesting is that today, May 23rd, a year ago was my callback for Mrs. Davis. Wow. Unbelievable. Wow. It's fate. I don't know what all that beat. Yeah, exactly. That's what it means. Yeah, you have to like circle this on the calendar every year. This is like your new start May. playing these these numbers in the lottery. This is your new favorite date. Oh, here we are. Uh-huh. 2523. Yeah. We'll, we'll find ourselves on an island with a certain Professor Schrodinger, I think, if you play that number in the lottery. Uh. So uh I don't know if I, I mean that seems like a friendlier island than the one that everyone else crashed at, uh, for sure. Oh gosh. Oh, I mean, how how did you guys feel about that? I'm going to turn this around. How did you guys oh. feel about the, the the finale? What were your thoughts? I mean, I listened to the two hour podcast already, and it was awesome. But I just might as well might as well talk about it here. Well, what I find so interesting is there has been a lot of discussion in our community that I still unabashedly love the finale between all of the wildness that came with Buffalo Wild Wings to again my satisfaction with there being. So many questions answered, so many natural resolutions for your for the characters. I thought your scene with Betty alongside like her scene with Margot might have been my favorite scenes in the entire series with just how well done it was. A nice culmination of your relationship. I could feel a lot of your fear and like sitting down to eat and getting to see you again, truly kind of like loosen up the belt and like be able to to express who you are without this performative identity for so long. What I have found really interesting is there's been certainly a lot of back and forth as to what is this show trying to tell us? And I know that there's been also some stuff that, you know, Damon and Tara before the writer's strike had done interviews where they talked a bit about it as well in like the context of social media as well and whether or not we should let that define our lives. 
And I think what's incredibly appropriate for a show like this is that I've seen 50 different meanings from 50 different people as to what to take away from it in the week since the finale. This idea of some people are saying, well, they're saying that Mrs. Davis is a bad thing, that we shouldn't believe in this absolute higher power because that's what's going to, you know, conscript us to having to rely only on them rather than independence. And some are saying, no, actually, it's saying that faith is actually pretty good because it's allowing you to do good things. And I think for me, the the one thing I've sort of come around on with differing eyes from last week is whether or not to look at the decision Simone makes as a good thing, which I think is a hallmark of good writing is like wow. Mother Superior makes the point of and you could argue it's the case with Jay as well of like, these are all the things that this benevolent higher being was able to do for people. Is it worth it to remove that to serve, you know, your own individual greater purpose? And so what I adore about the show is the fact that we have had a bunch of debates about this as a community over the past week, that which I didn't even expect at first glance watching the episode. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of it is that it creates that conversation because it presents these ideas to you and it allows for you to interpret it any way that you want to. Whether you be religious, whether, you know, like you, you believe in, you know, anything, what you believe in is it's up to you and that faith is important. And again, like, I think always so indicative of every, all of it is the, when Mother Superior says, such is the strength of my faith. And, you know, Simone repeats that to Jay. And it's this, it's this kind of like feeling for me. I mean, on, on a side note, I always felt like I was, again, like I said, like in this love story of like its own, you know, in, in, in my own world, which I was. And like outside of it, there's this chaos going on. But at the end of the day, what it does is it creates these conversations for like, is is technology bad? Is Mrs. Davis bad? I don't think so. Is faith bad? I don't think so. Like everything is portrayed in such an honest light. Nothing is made to be, you know, other than what the interpretation of we what, what we see it as. So I think it's so cool that it's had 50 different answers come from, you know, all eight episodes, because I think that was what the beauty of something like, you know, a lost was, you know, like you could, you could think about it. I know Joe, that you said you, you didn't like Jack Shepard until the end. I love Jack from the beginning, you know, and then, you know, so it's one of those things where I love that it could be depending on where you come from in life, your experiences, you will put on the show or the characters, those things. Um, and I think that's, that's a really, like you say, a hallmark of great writing. Uh, what Tara and Damon and the rest of the writers, shout out all the writers have done. It's like, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. And uh, again, like I said, best experience of my life because I love having these conversations. Why I love being back here. It's because we get to nerd out about all this stuff that I get to even like theorize because I have theories and that, you know, it's like, it's very, it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, it's a really tricky thing to to thread the needle of delivering closure while also keeping the door open a crack. I, I think the more I've thought about that final shot of the whole episode of like the windmill keeps tilting because in whatever way we keep it spinning, we keep it spinning. Whether you believe that Mrs. Davis is still whispering in somebody's ear or because now the habit is so ingrained in somebody else or whatever theory you've got about who's in the windmill at the end of the thing or why is it still going? It doesn't really matter. Mm. Uh, the point is it's still going. Interesting. I'm going to yeah. be honest. I'm going to be honest. When you said, let's talk about the finale, I thought you meant the lost finale. So I was all excited, <laughs> but I'm, I'm also, I'm also excited to talk about this. Davis. Don't get me wrong. The finale and see, I interpreted 
completely, maybe I'm just um, somebody who watches too much sci-fi and I am a lossy at heart, but I'm like, oh, 100%, she did not turn off. There's someone else. It's it's not, there's no way it's free will has not returned. It is being mm. controlled. That's my interpretation. But on that note, when you read the script and now that you've seen the actual finale, what is your existential interpretation of where is Jay now? Interesting. Um, Jay's in a better place. I don't want to, I feel like uh, I have an interpretation of it. Uh, I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like I, I know too much. And I also, you know, in terms of where he could be or, or what could possibly happen, um, but I, 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 I do believe also what you believe, Joe, is that perhaps Mrs. Davis hasn't turned off or perhaps the the reasoning for destroying the Holy Grail was maybe perhaps uh, another reason. Uh, I, I don't know, though, or maybe that's all it was. Um, but I think that like just alone with that moment of the windmill turning just a tiny bit, it creates so much more conversation around like what possibly could happen you know like or what is happening after this um which i find uh, again equally as exciting to just also think about the many different ideas that could follow when it comes to where jay goes something that we noticed is we saw the exterior of falafel for the first time in the finale mm. and i don't know what i expected but i don't think i would have predicted a very like desolate red tinged environment that falafel is existing within i mean listen it evokes an image to me certainly that is a little hot for heaven as we like to say on lost did you discern any meaning from that or is it just like a coincidental lighting choice on behalf of production not until you just said that uh now i'm thinking about it so yeah that's uh I don't know. I don't know what that could be, but that's interesting because I never actually thought about that specific color choice. Um, and yeah, it's so interesting. But it, I, I think just because I guess it's the idea that he's in between these worlds, you know, because the cave also exists there as well. So that's interesting. I mean, interesting color choice for sure. And I think that also opens up so much more conversation about where falafel truly is but i do think that the intention of it is still pure and and that's what 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 what's meant is that you know obviously it's in a good place and jay is obviously you know all the things that we see is are true and it's not we're not trying to lead you astray um with yeah. that color choice i think it was just a color choice well i mean i i think you could also imagine like the like sort of thematic resonance of jay is is good and what and, and jay loves people and people are coming to jay to eat but jay is like stuck in whether or not he knows it and if he never goes outside maybe he wouldn't see that he's like stuck in his own form of hell uh you know that he is not able to get out of this place um the other thing that makes me really uh concerned now talking it through is okay grail's destroyed jay is free he sets sets foot outside he's like oh no can I get back in the falafel, please? Because it's all locked out out here, and this doesn't seem right. I mean, I mean, that would be interesting. I mean, like, what, like, what if he were? Like, what if that were the? What if that were the next? You know, thing. Like, we can all imagine it from what it is. Obviously, it's been wrapped up really neatly, and so, and and also we get that beautiful like last image. But also, what if Jay is free and roaming the world? What does that? You know, or or what if Mrs. Davis wanted? 
who knows? Like, I don't know. It's, but it's one of those. Th- go ahead, sorry. Go. I was say, you're basically Richard, no, Al- you're Richard Alpert getting on flight 316 off the island. You have no social security card. You got your first gray hair and you are <laughs> yeah. immortal. You're immortal. Good luck finding a job. Yeah. And, and you also have no skull. Uh, that's, that's a, that's an excellent idea for um, uh, a short film. <laughs> Jesus walking around with no skull uh-huh. looking for a job. Yeah. Careful um, with the head. But- Careful with the head. Yeah. <laughs> I have to bring something up uh, from the listeners of this podcast and uh, specifically the post show recaps patrons, uh, the post show recaps patron discord um, on the podcast. When we recorded the finale, we talked about the Buffalo Wild Wings of it all, and this being such a shocking twist that how could you possibly predict it? How could you possibly even come close to predicting such a thing? And we even live Googled at the time, because we were a couple days before uh, the rest of the world would see it, Mrs. Davis Buffalo Wild Wings, even Mrs. Davis Buffalo Wild Wings read it, and nothing came up except for like somebody's LinkedIn that I didn't want to dox. Um, <laughs> however, this came to our attention after the finale. Andy, I don't know if this is going to blow your mind or not. Um, he doesn't again, have a skull, so it'll be yes, pretty easy. We have to be careful here. <laughs> we have to proceed with caution. Um, so the great Jim Fells, who is one of our dear listeners and is a great analyst of Lost Music and so much TV, um, he was theorizing, I think that this was around episode six. Uh, Jim wrote, the people with an expiration date are not killed, but have to turn themselves into do dot dot dot. Yeah, there's no way I can predict that part because the show is so ridiculous. Then our good friend, the man behind the curtain, Ben Martell, offers, is it to work in IT? Is that what the people who are going with the expiration dates are going off to do? Just as a joke, which honestly ended up being like, not that far off. Now, how's this for not that far off? Jim responds to Ben by saying, it could be that, but it could also just be a giant Kentucky fried chicken party or something. Earn your wings (laughs) and all that. Chicken emoji. Nothing will surprise me at this point. Uh, This was insane to me. I think the one person on the planet who maybe got pretty, like if this was a, if there was like a pool and whoever got it, got a free lifetime subscription to Buffalo Wild Wings, whoever got closest to the center of the dartboard, I think Jim Fells may be the closest without spoilers that KFC was so close to what Mrs. Davis actually was. That's amazing. And uh-huh. I mean, also to think, to be able to think in that way just shows you like what a great job all of the writers did with the show because you're allowing your mind to like be as creative as possible. You're allowing yourself to go there and you're like, you're, obviously things aren't predictable, but at the same time, getting that close or having that idea, it's, it's, um, inspiring to to see or to see the discourse that is happening around this. I think Mike and Joe, at some point, you also had theorized that falafel was a purgatory of some sort. I think mm. that was early on in, in the show. Um, but at the same, those, this is the kind of conversation you want to have from it. And this is the kind, these are the kinds of places you would love for your mind to go. There is nothing that is too far. Everything um, 
is fair game. And I think thinking in that way, you know, as opposed to the TV, you know, sometimes that we watch that becomes so predictable, but because it's a phone level 10, you could always be on your phone, come back to it. Something like this requires your undivided attention and you get to go down the rabbit hole. You get to have all of these fun ideas and you get to be as outlandish as, as you want to be and, 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 and not be wrong or told you're wrong or told that your ideas are way too, you know, way too big. It's, it's, um, it's, it's great. And I mean, again, the horse coming back at the end of it all too, it's just what a beautiful, you know, what a beautiful moment with these little things that we get to, you know, smile or chuckle at when we see it on the screen. Yeah, yeah, and I love getting to read some interviews after the fact. I believe Tara gave me an interview with, I think, Sci-Fi Wire, where she had said that, like, yeah, we always thought it would be really funny, but we kind of used it as a placeholder for a long time because we thought there's no way Buffalo Wild Wings would go along with this. But, I mean, any publicity is good publicity nowadays. And so they were able to finally capitalize on the joke, and the company approved. And not only that, they said, yeah, well, we could put the big-ass logo in it as well, which led yeah. to this incredible reveal. So I love finding out that story now that all is said and done about how they were able to actually pull this off and that it wasn't the cards from the beginning, but it was sort of a prayer they were throwing out there and that, you know, mm. Hail Mary ended up paying off in the end. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. It's so It's such a good reveal and I'm so glad like that, you know, that's what it was. That, you know, it was something as outlandish and as great as that idea. Yeah. Well, I think thematically the idea that we are all at the mercy of a fast food app feels like <gasps> tragically on point. Uh, and then I think <laughs> the, the way in which you can then engender some sympathy for the fast food app that you could hold both of those ideas in the same hand, I think is uh, one of the things that I'm still uh, poor choice of words chewing on uh, coming out of the finale is like this idea of like, oh God, we're doomed. We're at the mercy of McDonald's. We're at the mercy of KFC. <laughs> like, oh no, we've got no shot. But then when you, I think Mrs. Davis is, you know, that, that conversation that she has with Simone towards the end uh, and the conversation that Simone has with Joy, I think really speaks to the idea of like, but you're just an algorithm. You're just doing what you were made to do in the same way that any of us are doing what we were made to do too. So like, I feel like this, this balance that you end up getting, uh, you know, the, the other show that I'm talking about a ton right now and is also ramping down is succession and successions, magic trick of uh, God, how am I feeling so bad for these people who are just like wiping their butts with the world? How is this possible? <laughs> uh, and yet, like, I do think that this is just such a testament to, to brilliant writing and the capacity that a person has to, you know, when angled in the right direction at something to even if that's not my life or like that's as far away from my values as possible to see the humanity, even in an algorithm, I think is something that you wind up with at the end. Uh, even a, a fast food app deserves some love at the end of the day. <laughs> And it's and it's so it's so great because of also Simone's uh, reaction to that to Joy telling her what it is. It's like we as an audience get to see or feel the same reaction and feel you know just in the same as as in the same shoes as Simone finding it out. Like it's 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 just so well done. So it's so. 
dumb. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <It's> incredible <laughs> yeah. line representing the show in so many joyous ways. <laughs> Another lingering question. This comes from the aforementioned Ben behind the curtain. Let's go back to episode four here where we see, you know, we as an audience, I think, are led to look at Jay in a different light, perhaps a bit red tinted with the king cake of it all as we find out okay jay wants simone to get this cake deliver it to the pope her feelings ebb back and forth upon finding out about clara and her relationship with jay as well as the people that had been sent out to do this beforehand what was your interpretation like was this truly in the moment he wants to make good with the pope for essentially giving him the cold shoulder before was there a greater more coincidental purpose to it than that how I always looked at it, and this is going back to, I always read things and I always see, you know, scenes or movies or TV shows or whatever it may be. And for this moment of the king cake for me was the Santa Claus. I know it, it sounds strange, but it was, um, uh, they never got their weenie whistle or their mystery date. So they stopped, they stopped believing in Santa Claus. And I always looked at the king cake as that moment with the Pope. I oh always just thought that was what it was. Uh, if only I, that they, could, they should have gotten Judge Reinhold to play the Pope in that episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Andy, I can't wait until I'm watching you from my couch accepting an Academy Award for your incredible role that you're getting critical acclaim for and knowing alongside all of the listeners of this podcast that the inspiration for whatever that role was. <laughs> was the Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to carry that forward with me for the rest of my life, and I can't Do wait. Do you remember this moment, though? Do you remember the moment where, like, they, they're no longer believers, and Tim Allen is, like, fully transitioned into Santa, the Santa, or Santa Claus, and he drops the weenie whistle and mystery date in a parachute, and they're, and they're both like, oh, my God, he's real. Like, it's... I, I always thought that, you know, it was... A, obviously, in this iteration or in this version of the thing, for me... The stakes were much higher or are much higher. Um, Jay needed the Pope to believe in him. It was just an example of other people having stopped believing in Jay and started to believe in, in Mrs. Davis. Um, the, the, the sort of, uh, I guess, the, the way that the falafel shop is in disrepair throughout the, the season it's also one of those things that you're, I always thought, like, the less people believed in, in, in Jay and Jesus, the less people believed or had that kind of faith, the more this place obviously would, would crumble. And I, I always thought that that was, we see that from episode one where there's the, you know, obviously the, 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 the flood and these moments. It, they all, they all luckily, again, like I said, they all make sense to me and in those moments because I had the last scene. So the the idea of like hiding the you know that it was Mrs. Davis in the in the chit, and also the second scene in the first episode where he's like, "Don't go up against her." I always thought that like you know, personally, I'm so glad that I had the information because it allowed for there to be depth or 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 more to play with in those moments. But yeah, I think for like again, like we all say, it's where we we turn or we move and we're like kind of like unsure. In my opinion, I always obviously saw Jay as like this this obviously this he's honest in what he's doing and i thought that the king cake was such a sad moment because it was like she's close to the grail she almost has it and he's like just please just do this one last thing for me because maybe if this one works out like i can i can start i can start back from there building that foundation but 
Um, and then in five, we see obviously the turn and, and it's, you know, it, it's obviously with the limited scenes that Jay has in the series, I think they did such a great job at carving out like those moments with Simone. Um, and then, you know, that final payoff with, with Wiley in the scene, it all just, it works as a, as its own thing, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that's a really interesting pairing in that if you're comparing both Jay and Mrs. Davis in the Scott Calvin-esque position of, okay, we need to make <laughs> everyone believe the series ends with you about halfway through the episode moving on and Mrs. Davis in the end of the episode doing so as well. And I think that, again, is an interesting statement on technology versus faith that maybe one of those other messages you could interpret from the show is like, well, who needs either one of them in a manner of speaking? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting. You see Joy and her her family playing cards at the end of the episode. And I think everybody else is in, it's just chaotic. But the people who remember that it's all about the present or it's all about these moments that are are, are sort of safe. Um, but yeah, the Scott Calvin at all. Not too hot. Extra chocolate. Shaken, not stirred. <laughs> Sorry, oh. I know that movie so well. I mean, Elizabeth Mitchell, Mrs. Claus, say no more. Say no more. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I I actually, funnily enough, I did a show called Outer Banks, and she's on Outer Banks, and we met, and I said, this was before. This was in February. I met her in Barbados, and I didn't tell, obviously, I didn't tell her of, of, of for my love for the show, but then I saw her again, you know, months later, and we crossed paths, and I was like, this is such a small world, how this all works out. Um, wow. And now the Santa Claus, the, yeah, the Santa Claus thing. I didn't even realize that as well. So there you go, Joe. Thanks. There you go. Thanks for I mean, bringing it all back to the Santa Claus. <laughs> I, I might have Liz's IMDb memorized. It's fine. I'm not a stalker. Um, <laughs> I did want to ask, uh, not really related to the deep conversation we were just having. What was the reaction of your friends and family when they finally saw this show and the reveals of you being Jesus Christ? Oh my gosh. My, my dad loved it. I think he's watched it. Like he watched the fifth episode, like three times because like he, I, and also I love that episode. I love all the episodes, but um, you know, it's that episode where you're getting all of the, the story about, you know, the grail and Clara and obviously Ben Chaplin and everybody's still great, but he loved, he really, really loved it. And all of my friends back in Toronto, um, are, are really, really loving it as well. Um, and I think also a lot of people are catching on to it now too. I'm seeing, you know, a lot more discussion happening about it. Now that the finale is out, I feel that people are watching it in its entirety and like able to sort of digest and, and talk about it and have these conversations, um, which is really, really cool um, to, to see. Because again, like we said, it's just so fun to have the conversation just try to figure out where it could go or where it goes or, you know, how, what, what meant what thing. And it's obviously the same thing we all love to do is just like sit around and talk about these things and think, think about them. And, uh, and, and, and that's, that's the fun of it all. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting given just the times that we live in that there is this glute of content out there that the final shot of the show is that the windmill keeps on turning. And I feel like even though technically new episodes of Mrs. Davis are, are in the ground, they have moved on. They have, uh, we have sipped from the bowl in a manner of speaking. It does still live on through people rediscovering it. As long as the content's still out there, knock on wood. I think it's going to be very fun to have people to your point, discover this show now come into it and get to, you know, hopefully have waves and waves of you getting to get interactions from fans, uh, realizing all these wackadoo twists in the show that revolve around you. 
Yeah, I've been, you know, it's so funny. I've been recognized more for this show in the last couple of weeks. And I've been like, I mean, nothing before is of note, but like I did Outer Banks and that's obviously got a big following for young adults. But I was in the grocery store twice now, two different grocery stores. And someone's like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, a, it is a funny, it is a funny thing, but it is like very cool to see, you know, uh, or, or people talking about it. And I can't wait for more people to be watching it to, to have these uh, discussions because, you know, the forum is there and like how we're sitting here and talking about it. It just, it's just what good TV should do. It should just, you know, inspire conversation. And it's, you know, it goes back to all the shows that we love and talk about, but it's, it is, it is important because, you know, Tara, the showrunner created such a great show with Damon and the rest of the writers who did such a great job to make you think that like, you could think that it could be a Kentucky fried chicken. And mm. when it's a Buffalo Wild Wing, you're not mad at it. You're like, oh, fuck, I wish yeah. I saw that coming. You know, like, you're like, I could have guessed it if I let my mind go there. You know? So close. So close, Jim. You were right there. You were right there. Andy, this isn't a question other than, gosh, I would have loved to have seen Jay and JQ in the same scene. I think I really oh, would have. <laughs> if there was anything, any other role that I would have loved, it's JQ. And also, Shout out Chris because he's originally from Toronto as well. Yeah, but um, but I heard about that audition. I, I obviously because I I heard about the audition from your podcast. Yeah, as opposed to in real life because him and I, I never. Uh, only time I ever saw him was briefly, but nobody knew who I was on set because everybody else was in a different world. And I don't think I, I think just Betty, Jake, and I were given the scripts, so it was like even at the wrap for the LA portion of it. Everyone's like, so what are you doing the show? And I was like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but Chris, uh, that yes. What would that have been like? Like he would just, what would that look like? He's just like crushing falafel and just being like, I don't know. What do you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. Would you have been able, would Jay have been able to mite him? If, uh, if Mm. GQ had wound up at falafel, it seems like Jay has whatever somebody needs uh, in the kitchen. Yeah. Like the bread just shows up, uh, the honey butter's right there, and there's the Vegemite. Uh, just did that cupboard yeah. over there if JQ needs it. I just go to World Market. Yesterday we were at World Market and we saw Vegemite. So I got to tell Alethea that, and I got to tell uh, – well, I know that they got it from Alethea, but uh, but yeah, that guy's great. Oh, man. that when I When I read – when I read JQ's like monologue in the first, what was it the second episode? Yeah, it was. It is brilliant. It's just so much fun. And again, it is. It's wild to me to be able to live in this world, this original like IP, where like all of these characters can exist, and you don't even question it. You know, you you know what you're getting when you go to Falafel. You know, you know, and it's built. You know what you're getting when you like see. Uh, JQ doing a heist, you know, it's just so much fun um, to know that these worlds exist and that you don't even bat an eye because they've been so beautifully crafted. Uh, and and JQ with the poker, like what a great little end, you know, what a great so little, good. Uh, thing to see all in. Like, it's just, uh, I can't, I can, I obviously being a part of it, it's very easy to talk about it, but I really like, when I say I love this experience and it's the best thing of my life, I think I'm, I'm, I'm being so honest because everybody put their, 
you know, blood, sweat, and tears into this thing and the machine that it was that it moved so brilliantly, um, you know, and that's, you know, that's due to like Tara being a show, great showrunner and Damon allowing for her to take the reins. Um, and, and I think that that is, again, just creates this beautiful chemistry and obviously what we see on the screen, which is just a lot of fun. JQ or otherwise, is there a scene from the season that you wish you got to be a fly on the wall for, considering all the highfalutin stunts and places we got to go over the course of this season? Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, a fly on the wall for, ah, okay. Well, let me think. I didn't really think about it. Um, or a constipator on the I wall. Really want, I really would have wanted to see. I really that came to mind, um, <gasps> but I think I really would have wanted to see uh, uh, Shore as Mary in the cave. Like I would have mm -hmm. loved to be a fly on the cave wall for that, just to see how that went. Because again, like having that scene um, before they shot it, like it was obviously the the mythology that is given in that moment. It's just so beautiful, and like also the way. Because I saw an earlier version with lock cut, but it wasn't sound mixed. So watching it and hearing it sound mixed was a religious experience. It was just <laughs> so beautiful. Um, other than that, though, I'd also say JQ's monologue. Uh, when we're looking for you, Nam. That was hilarious. Oh, man. Um, a couple of other ones we have from the listenership. Oh, the great Brendan Fitzpatrick had written in and asked... What's everybody's favorite sauce at Buffalo Wild Wings? Um, I'm not equipped to answer it specifically, Buffalo Wild Wings, but maybe around the horn. Do we all uh, hot sauce people? What's your favorite sauce, Andy? Doesn't have to be hot sauce, does it? it just has sure, to be a, a wing sauce. Let's just do sauce honey, or wing honey flavor. Garlic. Honey garlic. Honey garlic. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's good. Ranch. I'm ranch all the way. Yeah. Ranch. Yeah. Don't shoot the ranch. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> I'm definitely allergic to peppers, so I can't have spice. So I eat bland. Why I eat bland wings, so I just dip them in ranch. Yeah, gotcha. I I go for like a garlic parmesan personally, and I want uh I nice. want like the uh, give me the dry wings. I don't want I don't want I don't want my hands to be coated. Um, I yeah, feel like that's fair enough. my my I'm too OCD for that type of stuff. So yeah, I, I give me like a, a nice dry rub on a wing, and I'll mm. gobble it down. Josh, Josh. Yeah, I, uh, I'm like one of those really gross people who like I've uh, you, I, you could not give me enough sides of blue cheese with my wings. And I know that's polarizing. I like it. I know it's no, polarizing. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, they give them to you for a reason. I got trained young. What do you want? There's people out there who are like <laughs> blue cheese and birds. I'm like, well, <laughs> flap, flap, because I'm flying with them. I am. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's from Fitzy. Fitzy also asked, this is more general for all of us, uh, I think, with our interpretations. Uh, Brendan asked, uh, just to clear it up, the pictures that Celeste had of Monty had to have been taken between when he quote unquote died on stage and his funeral a few days later, right? Um, Andy, did you have any thoughts on Mrs. Davis's lie about Monty? Any theorizing that you had around David Arquette's character? I mean, that yeah. ends up getting tied up pretty, pretty neatly. Uh, and if, considering if very uh, tragically. Also, there are some Jesus connections there as well, right? Considering like him sort of being in his own tomb in a manner of speaking, but not disappearing after three days. 
Yeah, yeah. You mean what's interesting about? Did you think the lie about uh, him being alive or dead? Yeah. Interesting. I don't know what I feel about that. What do you guys feel about that? Mrs. Davis needed Simone, so she went to great lengths to manipulate. That's what I think, and and I don't think that because Mrs. Davis is not a human being, there wasn't much thought given to how it would make Celeste Celeste <laughs> how it would make Simone feel or Celeste. <laughs> yeah. Or Celeste, yeah, considering that the thing we find out in the finale is that Monty had been working in cohorts with Mrs. Davis, and Mrs. Davis was probably the one to recommend, like, yeah, you humans don't need to breathe that much, so you could stay in that piano for as long as you need to. Mm, I don't know. It was It's really cool in, in hindsight. I forget which one of you said this on the podcast, but the... Um... The field of pianos takes on whole new meaning. Uh, yeah, yeah you, I think Joe said that, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, it really does. Uh, a what lot a of beautiful scene. A lot of people are really excited about the rewatch here, and a lot of people in our fandom talking about, like, I can't wait to go and, and, and watch this again, now knowing all the answers that we get out of the finale. Andy, is there is there one since you knew the full scope of the thing that as you were watching it, you're like, oh, that's particularly clever. Like this thing that's baked in based on how the script is going to flip by the end. I, I mean, the one thing obviously on my end was the the, the, the the little Jesus things that Simone said in the first episode were like, Jesus, you're so intense. And like right after it's the mm -hmm. Dolly Parton, if you're praying to Jesus, like all the little like, check this out, like the, the little Easter eggs. Uh, I, I love those. And I, um, but yeah, I think, I think those are all that one specifically because if if you go back and you rewatch it you're like oh it was right there in front of us the whole time yeah um how about you guys anything that you saw that you it came back around oof um i need to go back and take a closer look at uh at jake's flashback facial hair because I think that we all yeah. have like yeah, so, a big so let's, hang so up let, on that. Yeah. Let's talk about this because there were discrepancies in the timeline. This is something that we brought up copious amount of time. Something like Mrs. Davis saying that Simone was a nun for 10 years, but the Wiley flashbacks take place seven years ago. Her uh, saying that, you know, she hated Wiley's mustache, but back in the flashback, it seemed like she was fine with it. Though, to Josh's point, maybe it's just because it was more of a full beard mustache look. I think some people have attributed these inconsistencies to more bugs than features of just like, yeah, there's nothing about inconsistent narrators or multiple universes or anything. Just like some things got thrown in there to be bumps along the road. Andy, did you have any other interpretation of like some of the ticky tack of timeline stuff not working out in a way? I like that idea of the deja vu and the, the glitch in the matrix. Um, that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I think also, you know, Wiley's mustache, is different in in the in the present day it's like more of like a handlebar right is that what we're seeing yeah and in the um and i i remember you guys theorizing this too because you started to do i think mike you started to do math on this and you're like okay, one year if he's in falafel it's three hours and we're always do, dangerous like, when we math on the podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a beautiful mind um <laughs> yeah I, I never actually paid too much attention to those things but i do know that you said that they were there i'd have to go back and look at it because i feel like you know it, it if if we look at it closely i think they they really timed it out to make it make sense but I'd yeah. have to look back at those specific times and see, like, because you say seven years ago, she was in the falafel, right? That was when she met him, uh, yeah. Jay, in the falafel. But Wiley and Wiley was on, um, on the bull. Yeah, I got to look back at that, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, gosh, well, Andy, we could we could have you here forever. Uh, and I know that time works differently in falafel, <laughs> but it does work the same as everywhere else in a podcast. So we will we will begin the process of of releasing you. Um, Joe, do you've got anything, any last licks uh, here talking to Andy? <laughs> I did want to ask one question, which is that did you talk about Lost with Damon Lindelof at any point? Never. Oh, um, I did. Oh, I did, I did walk in. I did walk into the uh, the first day of meeting in person, Damon and Tara into the into the office and the uh, the planes seats were yep. in the in the office. I never said anything about it, though. I've, I've never I've never talked to him. Uh, actually, no, actually, I think I did send him the the Jack and Christian scene. Yeah, uh, I said I was watching it. That's about I never really talked about it much more than that. Um, but now with this, all of this being I, I'm going to go back and watch it all again. It's been. Well, do I have a podcast for you? Yeah, Uh, if you want want to sink your time into 300 hours of lost content, including an eight-hour podcast about the very episode that's celebrating its anniversary today, we've got something for you. You Just if you're bored, you know. I feel like I feel like I just inserted myself into it, but I mean, I would be down to do that at one point or the other. Yeah, Uh, we'll we'll send you a link. (laughs) My wife is my wife. My wife has never seen it. That's so, amazing. That's going to so be very and that's, fun. And that's yeah. a, a fantastic way to, I think, like get to see the show. Obviously, you come in from different points in your life and like you gain renewed purpose for so many different characters and plot lines, but it's also really great to like sit alongside somebody and get to see a journey through new eyes for the first time. I think we watched to the first the episode for the uh, right when I had gotten this uh, job. I think we had watched to the episode where um, John Locke uh, wheels back out from the yeah, desk. Yeah. And I think it was a, a an incredible moment for her. So I I I'm gonna keep watching it with her and and uh, yeah. And then you know I'm gonna listen to your your podcast too. Yeah, she shouldn't listen until she's done. Spoil yeah. the whole, spoil no, no, the whole no. thing. Fair spoil enough. She's had 13 years, so yeah, yeah. yeah. It's her fault. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, Mike, you got anything else for Andy? Uh, no, I mean I just wanted to thank you profusely. This is something that we are not used to doing. We are the ones that typically throw out our own thoughts into like the ether. And we are grateful to have the the listeners that we do respond back. But I cannot say how rare it is to have not only someone who is actively involved in this thing that we love, you know, be able to engage in our content, but be able to come on and engage with us as well. It is so incredibly fulfilling. I feel like we have downed an entire king cake over the course of this podcast getting <laughs> so dry. I need a sip of water. Yeah, yes. The mystery exactly. weenie whistle. Yes, exactly. Also, uh, on a side note, Tara and her husband are big Survivor fans. So Ooh. if ever that time comes, you know, oh they're invited uh, to Mr. Bloom's DMs. My God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So so just thank you again for uh, thank for- you. Not only for, you know, what you brought here, but just for everything you were able to bring on screen as well. It's it's a weighty show. It is a unique show in that it is simultaneously so dumb, as Simone says, but so incredibly deep that so many people have walked away, yourself included, with so many different meditations on life because of it. So thank you for offering your body, your blood, and today your mind to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike. Andy, um... I asked Mike and Joe if they've got anything else. You got anything else? Do you have anything you want to say about Mrs. Davis before you close this thing out? Um, I just hope people keep watching so we can keep talking about it. I think that's uh, I think that's what it's all about. You know, I think uh, more people catch on, you know, and and have fun with it and see that it, you know, 
it pays off in the end or things are resolved, I think, you know, more people should be, you know, tuning in and watching so we can all talk about it. I think that's, uh, that's what I got to say about Mrs. Davis. For sure. All right. Well, I feel like we have said uh, probably not all there is to say about Mrs. Davis, but it is all we're going to say right now. Andy, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and nerding out with the three of us. Uh, like Mike said, it really anytime. Yes. Anytime. Uh, what are your thoughts on Battlestar Galactica? Are you a Battlestar <laughs> Galactica guy? Oh, huge. My hey. first job in 2010 was with Aaron Douglas. It was a show in Toronto called The Bridge. Um, no spoilers. I'm Careful, also, Mike has not seen the show. I haven't before. seen it. That's our next yes. project is that Josh and I are oh. doing a rewatch slash first watch of BSG. I've seen it all. We could talk. Get, get me on here. Get me on here. Yes, let's do it. You got, we let's got it. Like, let's, we'll do it. Just, that was, just, just message me. That was the upright man's question. The upright man's question was for Andy. Are you a Battlestar Galactica fan? So good to know. Also a big Stargate fan, too. There you go. SG-1 and Atlantis. Anyone out there listening, if you are BSG people, that's going to be the next destination for Down the Hatch. And that coverage is going to be starting up in the next couple of weeks. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Postshowrecaps.com slash down the hatch. Battlestar Galactica available on Peacock, I believe I should say oh, at this at moment this. in time. Synergy. You know, just in case anyone's listening and just awesome. wondering. Uh, yeah. You know. Hang on to that Peacock subscription, people. Yeah, It'll I pay off so. in spades. I think so. I think so. Um, all right, folks. That's the podcast. We appreciate you all joining us for the Mrs. Davis run. Andy, thank you again. And everybody else, we'll see you in another life, brothers. Bye. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.